Welcome to the Lead Team Podcast. Every week, the Lead Team at Tate Springs will review our Sunday services, everything from the message to worship and whatever else comes to our minds. Let's dive in. We have started. Oh, we have begun. We've, yeah. You hit record. The mics are on. The uh, Everything's recording. Yeah, it works. Yeah, what do you think about that, Jared? Oh, oh. oh he's he's not here. Where Where is he? I don't he's, actually he's don't gone. know. Is he, <laughs> I have no idea where he is. He's just not here. He's just not here today. Yeah, and so everybody well, usually, just went. Well, we even record on Mondays, but recording on Tuesday. Yeah, but we're posting on Monday, we're right? posting on Monday. That's Because the weird we're thing. in control of our own time. You can backdate it, so you can essentially upload it and then you say i want it to schedule for monday the 16th even though it's tuesday the 17th and it will post on tuesday but it will appear as if it posted on monday so essentially it's meant to like freak someone out who's like i didn't see this yesterday not that we have tons of people listening but yet no it looks well, like it published on the 16th but you just ruined it because now everyone knows but see, I don't all mind, of our all I, of our vast listeners I don't, know i don't mind letting people behind the curtain i'm not the wizard of oz i let them look behind the curtain yeah you don't strike me as the tin man either so no, i was actually up for the scarecrow in high school so you could that do you could pull that lion. off it was either oh i working at the forest i rough. Yeah, that's your normal vibrato, right? Right, exactly. The Billy Goat. <laughs> the Billy Goat vibrato. The Billy Goat vibrato. Yeah, he's by far my favorite character. He is amazing. But he's so good. He's yeah. so good Such in that, like, like he's like, the costume oh, is yeah. so awesome. The prosthetics they had on him. Oh, I mean, man. as far as they can make someone look like a lion, especially in the time period, like in the 50s. Yeah, with, like, without... 1949 like or something making them look like a lion without looking like a lion that's right. the cool part it's was... like that you knew there was a man you know like now we use cgi to to blur those lines so far but like there's something about saying no it's still a man and we want it to be a man we want it to look like a man but a lion yeah i don't know i'm not really sure how this ties into our overall purpose of the podcast yeah. but you know we're this is what happens when Jared's not here. Well, I mean, it doesn't even matter when Jared is here. We're we're liable to go <laughs> off and just kind of be like, all right. Okay, Wizard of Oz was actually 1939. 39. Wow. Like crazy how technology has come so far. Technicolor, baby. I know, man. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyways, Jared's so, not here today. So here's a and... question about it, though. I know you're trying to get us back on track, but... <laughs> But really, from like a from a like I, I love movies. I'm a movie buff, right? Yeah. And I love technology. Oh yeah, both. Of us. And you think Very about too. it, how did the technology influence the movie? Because color was really important well, to the movie. Well, then technology obviously had a massive influence. Exactly. On the whole yellow brick road. I mean, the whole aspect of here is color. Like we're living in brown sepia tone, you know, mm -hmm. Kansas. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, we're in the land of Oz, and it's just beautiful. It's stunning. Yeah, it's so fun to see like how different different kinds of artistry affect different kinds of artistry. And you know, it kind of makes me wonder. This is my segue. This is this is how. Oh, okay. This is going to be know, good. One of the illustrations that Jared used on Sunday was a mirror. Yes. And looking into a mirror, and I just wonder what would it be like for someone like who was living in a black and white world. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, they had a mirror in front of them. 
and they wipe their face. Like I'm thinking of, I think the movie Pleasantville. Yep, where, like, Pleasantville. They actually started wiping the makeup off and mm -hmm. they saw themselves. Like to be revealed for what we actually are. Mm -hmm. And you know, this this is a very poor way to segue. Because there's real, well, but actually, real pertinent. But like Paul, I'm going, but, but Paul who wrote Romans, right. he's also the one who talks about looking in the reflection well, in that, of the mirror. In, right. in about if you think about what mirrors were like then, yeah, they were very, they were warped. They were, and they so, were only polished metal that, yeah. yeah, was not. So it was like if you go into the house of mirrors at you know the the haunted house thing. I don't know wherever they have those yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I've never really cared about I, them. I'm but, only laughing because we are we are somehow getting on point. Well, but like. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you see a warped version of yourself. Right. But you're talking about seeing the real version of yourself that's warped, which is, woo, you know, that that's a whole different ballgame. The, the point of what Sunday Sermon was, uh, it was that through faith, we discovered that the purpose of good works is the need for God's grace. And that was Jerry's illustration is that God's word, the mirror, yeah. reveals ourselves as sinners, always been sinners. Right. But it, he also says that the law exactly. is represented in the mirror in, in, the, in, this, in his illustration. This so, is not necessarily a theological statement, but that the law's reflection is limited as to what you yeah. can see. Well, and that's what I wrote down. I have a quote because I wanted to make a graphic out of it. And this is what he said. Uh, this is word for word. Ooh, a quote. Yes. Uh, his quote, uh, what he said was, as much as we try, we can never be justified by our works alone. The law shows us our problem, but it cannot provide the cure. It only shows us that we need one. And I love that because I think a lot of times we as human beings who are sinners in our sinful nature, we have hubris. And that hubris leads us to think, if I just do this, if I you know, make these changes, if I build these habits, this will fix me. And Efficiency habits are good. Changing habits are good. We've all in staff kind of been on a dietary kick mm -hmm. over the last year. And we've been on an efficiency kick. And that's just culturally big right now. Finding the ways we can be the most efficient. Those things are good. And we also take these accounts into, you know, our life as well. It's why we provide things like small groups, D groups, and uh, prayer groups, and, and such like that, and Bible studies. But ultimately... They are just part. The ultimate solution is, you know, Christ's redemption on the cross for right. us. The Spirit indwells within us and helps convict us and brings us to those points. So I think what the law does is it ultimately is distorting how we think we can do it. It sometimes leads yeah. us to thinking, I can do this. Well, the law, the law reveals our sin. Right. You know, that's, it is kind of the mirror in that sense. It reveals our sin, but also it's the, it's the same conversation we had last week about general revelation, specific revelation. Yeah. The law gives us, now the law is part of specific revelation, but it's not enough. It's incomplete. No. Just like the concept we talked about last week of looking at creation for evidence of God, his evidence is there, but general revelation requires special revelation right. to give us insight into it. Right. The law isn't enough. That's why Jesus came. If the law were enough, Jesus wouldn't have come and died. The law was never enough. It exposes our true nature. But it exposes it. Yep. And so like, I thought this week, I thought about the rich young ruler, mm -hmm. you know, because he, he's talking about the law in, in this relationship. And when Jesus says, you know, here are the laws in, in the rich young ruler, which we weren't talking about this Sunday, but, but he says, oh yeah, I've kept all those. Right. And we're all like, 
bruh, no way. Like we know. Like there's no way you kept all the laws, but but the laws that they had manipulated right. into what what well, Jared, Jared was talking about talk this about week. That, yeah. The law they manipulated, you could you could accomplish could all accomplish those things, things yeah. and be self-justified through these things. Right. And then that's where we really miss it. And that's why their confidence in that is why they missed who Jesus was. And that's why this letter was so important. Um, not only to the Jews, but to the non-Jews, because Paul's going to address kind of the whole spectrum of people and culture, because Rome was just a, a stopping point for everyone. So um, he was writing this letter to those who had been part of the Jewish faith and those who weren't, just reminding them all, one, you're all sinners. You all need Christ. Yes, you as a Jewish person were set apart, you know. Uh, through God as his chosen people, but we also have other believers coming in and they're part of the family too. Yeah. And so the law in that exposes a, a Jewish person, essentially, especially the Pharisees and mm -hmm. such. Oh no. It, I mean, it directly flies against everything they had been building for their whole lives. But then for the non-Christian, it gives a sense, or sorry, for the person who had never grown up in that. Yeah, that Who might have been thinking, okay, I guess this is how I do it. It says no. And it gives them, you know, the real pathway, which is through Christ. Well, and what you were saying just now also ties into a large part of the message, which was original sin. Yeah. Original sin was a, was a, a big point in the message. And when we talk about original sin, um, we can also quote... Pastor Jared, because Jason's just got all kinds of random quotes from this message where he said, sin isn't merely something we do, but we sin because we're born as sinners. And, and that's actually a, that's a countercultural concept. Big time. Our culture says babies are innocent. Oh, babies are innocent. Babies are innocent. Well, babies are innocent in the sense that, yes, they're the most innocent of us. They need to be protected, all those kinds of things. But in actuality, and Paul David Tripp says this, he says, you know, the most dangerous thing in your kid's life is not something you can build walls around them to protect them from. It's the sin in their own hearts. Well, and I think about this, like, and I want, I know Jared especially has the youngest kids right now, but you obviously have raised children. And I'm, I've heard this before, seen plenty of people talk about it. You don't teach kids to sin. No, kids just will. You don't have to teach a baby to be selfish and self-centered. Right. They're born that They're way. Born that they way. say, hey, it's all about me. And yeah. it's our job as parents to teach them that it's not all about. Them. Yeah. And, and to teach them. And, and that's why, you know, in a family ministry setting, and it's why it's so important in our church that we realize that when our kids are given their lives to Christ, whether they're second grade, third grade, fifth grade, whatever, that day their work as, as a minister of the gospel starts. Yeah, It's not like, oh, we'll just, now you you keep being a kid for another 10 years yeah. and, oh, maybe your senior year, we want to actually see you act like a leader. Well, that kind of model it has been detrimental to the church Absolutely. for one, but also it, it, it lacks to give people the responsibility that the Bible already gives them. You know, and that's something I really appreciate, you know, about Tate Springs in particular, is, you know, as we discuss, you know, what the law reveals to us and therefore how essentially it says you need Christ. You don't need me. And it leads to discipleship. Like we we need that. That's one of the things that is part then of the sanctification process. We, we know this from scripture. But how I see Tate Springs doing this is not just in D groups, small groups and Bible studies, but in the family ministry specifically, 
the way you do parent roundtable, the way you have all these weekly and monthly events for all ages. But then one of the biggest things that, that impacts me and I see that we are raising the bar, we are holding kids to a standard, is Worship Academy. When you instituted that, um, that essentially put into play a pipeline mm -hmm. for the whole church, for yeah. the worship ministry in particular, but the worship ministry affects the whole church. And therefore, we are setting in place, we're going to give you responsibility. We're right. going to grow you, develop you, disciple you, and use your skills and show you that you can be a leader. Right. And it's not always easy because when I get them around ninth, 10th grade, I elevate that to a high standard real quick. I don't, I, I don't dumb down my standard. Now I have grace and patience for where mm -hmm. they're at. But what is so great is we are seeing kids come up in and through it already. We're seeing those middle schoolers that started just a few, yeah. five years ago now. Mm -hmm. They're in middle school. Some are going to be high school soon. We're seeing them serving and it's yeah. amazing. Well, and Worship Academy was born out of of exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. It was born out of us looking at our youth ministry and saying, okay, we want our students to be leading. We believe that that spiritual maturity is the goal and right. we should see spiritual maturity in the life of every believer. We expect to see signs of spiritual maturity by the time kids are in third grade. Absolutely. And we, we want to see that growing and, and we want to see constant growth in spiritual maturity. By the way, if you're listening, go to second Peter chapter one, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about spiritual hey, maturity. Can I find these, any of these resources on the, the website? Family ministry. I'm not sure. There may be some stuff should, on there right now. I know there's some anyway, stuff for the youth, but we yeah. can build that out. Anyways. Anyway, but but you can go to Second Peter chapter one, just read it, and you'll see he lists off all these traits. That's Second Peter and, chapter one. Yes, Second Peter chapter one. And uh just in case you want to know, it's Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. There we go. And so um, so anyway, but if you look at that, you'll see all these traits laid out, and these are the signs, and it says that if you have these. And they are growing. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. Yeah. And so that's what we want to see. We want to see these things evident in our kids' lives, and we want to see them growing. Actually, we want to see them evident in every person in our church's life. Right. If you look at our discipleship script, you'll see something that ties exactly into this well, same thing. Yep. And so, but in our family ministry, it's you know it's a little more in a microscope for us. Right. And and so when we when we talk about that with them, the problem we have is we believe the indicator of spiritual maturity is leadership. And we just really wouldn't provide any real leadership opportunities. Yeah, you could work in kids' church once a month, or you could help at VBS once a those year. Those are good things. Hey, those are great things, and we want them, but it's not consistent enough for them to develop leadership skills right. and qualities. And so, uh, and so, as, as a matter of fact, in our children's ministry on Wednesday nights, they are going through our our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders go through a leadership material that we've written just for them to learn the basics about being a leader. That's leadership and training, right? Uh, yeah, it's leaders in training, and it's uh, yeah, it's something something we've taken from uh, the one another's of Scripture. Okay. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole study, by the way, parents. If you want that, it's really kind of cool, and we'd love to give it to you. But your kids are going through it on Wednesday night. But anyway, um, so uh, with our youth, we wanted them to be in leadership, and we realized that Worship Academy was a way that our students, our teenagers, our youth could could minister on a regular basis developing relationships with the with the kids so now when a kid comes to worship academy for two or three years even they move up into the youth group and that 10th grader is the same person who taught them keyboard for two years 
And that senior is the same person who taught them cooking and they already have the relationships. They already have these foundations in place. So you don't end up with this rocky transition. Right. Um, but at the same time, we also then have kids who move into our youth ministry who are already thinking, I want to play keyboard on that stage. I want to play drums on that stage. So we have a, we have a, a, right now we have some eighth graders who started learning AV in worship academy. I have pictures of them in third grade, third and fourth grade, it's running wild. the soundboard. Wild. And people said I was crazy for letting them touch it, which if you knew these guys, you probably were right. They're, they're, yeah, but now when you put them in an environment though you have <laughs> yes. you have people there to they were being monitor. trained by the way being trained by one of our teenagers right. who is now a college student mm -hmm. and 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 helps in other areas and so um so anyway they now run regularly yep. now this year of worship academy they are teaching worship academy and the person who is cuz 8th graders Usually it's ninth grade before we really let you get into full teaching. So there's a, an older student in there with them who, who taught them also and who learned in our first years of Worship Academy. And now he's actually handing the teaching reins off to other students and he's teaching some other classes. Super cool. And so, uh, so yeah, we have, it, it's pretty neat to watch. And like, we've got, we've got a third grader um, playing six, eight, on the drums That's this so week, cool. third grader third, who's never yeah. played drums before. We've got uh, another another third grader who, by the end of next week, I expect her to be fully playing through your song "Hope" wow. on the keyboard. That's cool. And um, and so it's just we're seeing the fruit from it in our youth ministry now. If you go in and look at our band, I would say maybe half, maybe a little less than half, but about half of them. So well, worship that, academy. You give that three years for those eighth graders, mm -hmm. you know, really, and then you know for those coming, we're gonna start to see that in the the main stage. Yeah, you know, Sunday morning start to, to really bring forth fruit. You know, we see it too. Uh, John Kennedy, one of our volunteers, he trains and he's been training Kendra uh, the last few months on specifically live mixing. Yeah, on Sunday mornings, which he does such a great oh, job. Oh, such a great job, and so. We're seeing discipleship, you know, happen at every single level. And we have other people who are investing in uh, musicians and stuff as well. And that's just one of the things I love about Taste Springs is that we do see spiritual maturity happening. We are seeing people become leaders, producing disciples right. and taking seriously the the urgency of sanctification in their lives and becoming more Christ-like. Yeah. And I was just meeting with somebody who's ready to join the church tomorrow. Uh, yesterday in and um just professed his faith in christ in the last few weeks wow. here yeah and you know i'm one of the first per people he's told that's amazing and so we're starting so to talk cool. about yeah. baptism and yeah. stuff and the first thing i tell him is there's a d group meeting coming up in a few yeah. weeks be there be there be there and if, if you're you, listening november yeah. 5th right after the church service if be you there. haven't been a part of one d groups are crucial and essential not only to um the church life but honestly to yourself personally so yeah, yeah, check them out. Definitely. And I know that kind of we've kind of wandered away from the message into some other things. But at the same time, it does all tie into it. It's this realization of of our fallenness, this realization of the need of God's grace, but also the, the realization we need to be doing what Paul's doing. Right. We need to be sharing this with other people. We need to be 
engaging our culture in these right. ways. So, I mean, because this essentially is answering the question, okay, the laws are revealing I have a problem, and but that also tells me that I can't fix this problem. Right. So what I'm do not I enough. Do? Right. And so we're answering the what do I do? Well, be discipled. You know, we read our Bibles, we pray, but we aren't we can't be legalistic about it where we're saying, if I check this box, then I've done the work. No. It's after the salvation that realization of I need to be growing to mm -hmm. be more Christ-like. And God provides the essentially the outlines for that. And one of them is discipleship. And so we're talking kind of about that specifically today is discipleship. Yeah, and the opportunities and, we have available. And it is counter-cultural yeah. within a church standpoint where we, we really want to fill the room. We always wanted to fill the room with people. Right. The more the more full the room is, the more successful we are yeah. is the way things have been measured when that's not the model Jesus used. No. And in the most important ministry he did was to a small group of people. And, and, and the funny thing is when, when he revealed himself at the most profound level, he only took three guys with him. Right. Like, you know, he really did focus in. And so I think that us realizing that it's at a personal relational level that the most profound things happen in our lives, that God speaks to us most clearly and that we actually experience accountability and that's one of the most important things we can have. And that's what God offers to us through Jesus Christ, as, as Jared said in the message, who is the fulfillment of the law. It's, it's right. not the law. It wasn't a waste of everybody's time. The law reveals our sin, but Christ fulfills the law. And he, without him, we are completely lost. What we do is we discover that the purpose of good works is the need for God's grace. That through, the, through works, we're like, I, I need God. It's yeah. not, it's not, you know, through grace, you know, what's, well, it is kind of through grace. We do works, but it's ultimately through them. We just realize even more. I need him because we do those and we just, we feel unfulfilled. We feel purposeless and we just realize I need grace. Right. I don't need works. So, yeah. Yeah. Where do you think, uh, where do you think we're going? Yeah, I don't know because he skipped a he chapter, skipped, yeah, skipped even though man. topically it, yeah, it really it did right fall in. right in. So, so I don't know where he's going next. He, well, he didn't tell me. That means that you'll need to either uh, join us online or come to our service this Sunday, um, 10.30 a.m. I think I'll show up this week. Okay, well, cool. You going to show up this week? I actually won't be here. <laughs> Breeze, Breeze uh, got a performance in Tulsa, I, and I will be there. I Tulsa. missed last week. That's okay. Yes, <laughs> I was, uh, was with well, Brock at his church. And what we've done, you know, we've built, we're building these systems where we are giving the ministry back to the people. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and that's that's the point of it. Yeah. So that's not revolving around us. We're investing in stuff. Yeah. So, well, everybody, thank you for listening today. Pastor Jared will be back next week, and we can't wait to share our thoughts with you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. At Tate Springs, we want to help you discover your part in God's story. Connect with us at tatesprings.com. We'll see you next time.